0: Hello, my name is Tim Wilson and welcome to our latest Kaz Inspire Story, a brand new podcast from Computing at School, where we shine a light on some of our most inspiring educators. In this podcast, we will find out more about some fantastic people, what has led them to a career in education, their hopes for the teaching profession, their successes and their challenges faced, and how they have overcome them. Along the way, we hope to provide you with some tips and tricks, especially those of you who are new to teaching, alongside what we can do to make teaching more diverse and more inclusive. And of course, if you're inspired by what you hear today, we hope you consider joining us as a member of Computing at School as well. So today, we're delighted to be welcomed by Tessie Masindi. Hello, Tess.
1: Hello. How are you, Tim?
0: Is it Tess or Tessie, would you prefer? It
1: is Tessie, Tess, either one's absolutely fine.
0: (laughs) No worries. Thank
1: you, Tim. I'm honoured to be here. I'm glad to be on this podcast.
0: Fantastic. You are most welcome. We're delighted that you're here too. I'm just going to do a little bit of introduction. So... Tessie um, is currently head of computer science and business at a secondary school in Birmingham. She is also the founder of Educating Africa, a non-profit organisation that provides disadvantaged Afro-Caribbean girls with educational opportunities. Tessie is extremely passionate, and I'm sure we're about to find that out, about encouraging girls to cu- cultivate an interest in computer science and has previously delivered sessions for many organizations, from Coding Black Females to the British Computer Society, and many more. Her hobbies include content creation, traveling, and tech startups. So, Tessie, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, what immediately springs out from your profile is passion. And commitment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, if I may spot, start with some background questions, what's led you into a career in education? Uh, give us a little bit of about yourself and uh, what led you to it.
1: Um, the big thing for me is that I'm actually homeschooled. Um, a lot of people are shocked to find that out, uh, because I am homeschooled. I do have a fascination with being back at school. Um, maybe I just want the experience of it full stop. So, um, I have always been tied to education in one way or another. I did some work with the NCS um, at the time, National Citizen Service. I've done a lot of tutoring. I've taught women um, how to start their businesses. But to be directly at schools all started for me about five years ago. And it's... At the start, I just thought, you know, I'm coming in for a bit. Let me have some experience at schools. It's not something I've, I've experienced before. Let me just go into it. And I've ended up staying five years later. I'm still here. So there must be something, isn't it?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm um, going, even, going even further back. You, you were saying um, you've been homeschooled. So um, growing up, what was your experience of computing? We've, we've asked people in the series so far, what was your school experience? But clearly it's slightly different. What was your experience yes. of computing like at home?
1: Especially computing at home for a black girl. It's very, yes. very different. Cool. Um, I had the type, a typewriter to begin with, which I snuck up from under my parents' bed. You, can you imagine? That's a fun thing for a child to do. Oh yeah. So I was writing, <laughs> writing off um, song lyrics, typing them up, practicing with the typewriter. And then we had our first um, Apple eMac, I think it was called back then. It's got a really big back. I don't know if you remember it. Oh yeah. Apple. So, Computer and it made this noise every time you turned it on. So, kind of like every time you started it and shut it down. And the trick was to get it on without my parents hearing and to turn it off without my parents hearing. And I must have been so silly because now I think about it. How did I think they weren't hearing me? They're just probably ignoring me knowing I was turning it on and off. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would sneak onto there. And um, then my two loves one was Notepad. So, building um, websites from scratch in HTML. And the other thing was um, Garage Band, so making beats, um, producing my album, <laughs> as I thought at the time. Of course. <laughs> so those two things really pushed that homeschooling forward for me, because before that, it was all sciences. So thankfully, my parents still really wanted me to do something in science, maths, English, ETC. But bringing that computer home really changed my life, to be honest. Yeah,
0: um, it's an, uh, an unorthodox route. Is that fair?
1: Yes, 100%. Imagine a 13 year old girl sitting there teaching herself HTML, you know, not HTML5 as well. And no, no um, autocorrects, no prompters from Google, everything from scratch. Um, I later had Dreamweaver and Frontpage. I think that was about two years later. But in that po- at that point, I was literally supporting myself through the whole thing, you know, and I, I was really excited. You couldn't get me off it, to be honest. I was really fascinated with those programs.
0: Fantastic. So what have been the biggest challenges that you've faced going into teaching and education?
1: Oh, I think my idea at the start, what I assumed it would be and what, what it's turned out to be a quite different and not in a bad way, just thinking about the amount of work that needs to be put in to really relate with students in this day and age okay they they are exposed to a lot more than i was exposed to um because by the next time i had exposure to to school i went to college and i had it at the time okay so i'm going into school teaching a completely different topic than what i was taught i'm teaching computer science now they People were taught IT, and there's a very different attitude for students when it comes to computer science. They see it like rocket science, which it really isn't. (laughs) I mean, it is speaking another language, but they don't realize it's the same language they always speak all along. You know, it's the same as TikTok or Snapchat or anything else, but they don't see it in that way. So I have a lot of work to do. I have to remind them, well, don't you play Roblox? Oh, yes, I do. Do you play Fortnite? Yes, Minecraft, yes. Did I teach you how to play that? No. So then, this is pretty much the same. And they're like, "Ah, oh, okay." So I have to do that extra bit of work as a computer science teacher to kind of modernise the topic so students are more engaged. But teaching overall, as well, I have I find myself being a representation. Okay, um, there is not as much representation of. Black teachers, one, and then in the subject as well, women in general. So I I find that I'm doing three roles in one sometimes. It's good. It's exciting, to be honest. But I didn't realise that when I was coming in.
0: So with that in mind, um, who inspired you to, going back to your own journey, who inspired you to go into teaching and why, or into education and why?
1: Um, I would give this credit to my university lecturer, Sadly, I don't remember his name now. It's been a while since I've been at university. so. But at that time, I studied international politics, and I just liked the way in which he made everything relatable okay so I would be studying philosophy at times we're thinking about uh, Plato and Aristotle and a few other Machiavelli they're from a very long time ago and he found ways to really make that relatable to modern modern day life and sometimes even to my own journey he would relate it back to some of the countries I've been to so that way it made a lot more sense so that really inspired me because I thought hang on this is good there were other lecturers and they weren't doing the same in fact sometimes I I have to admit I fell asleep sleep in one or two other lecturers classes (laughs) don't tell them Um, but with him I was always engaged there was always a conversation it was very student-led and I really like that
0: and what has been the most important thing that supported your journey uh, into teaching and education do you think
1: I think the foundation I got at my uni my alumni is Newman University yeah. And we were allowed to really express ourselves while training in terms of creativity, in terms of collaboration in computer science classrooms, students coming with that mindset that they will be working alone. So we were able to cultivate this, this um, idea that you can work with someone else, you can work with peers, you can work in a group. And I really honed that from day one. And the students absolutely love it. So I, I always challenge them to think about problems they can solve for themselves not an abstract somewhere else, because that can be quite hard to connect with. So that foundation from from Newman was really, really key for me. Uh,
0: And moving into the present day, I think there's a lot that I would like to talk about here. Um, I think we'll start with your commitments to girls into computing, your commitments obviously into making computing more diverse. Could you give us some examples of how you encourage this at your school, in the classroom, Talk a little, in, a little bit in detail about that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean before I came into teaching, I already knew tech was had low numbers of girls because I've been in tech startups. Um, I remember an incident in Poland. I went to pitch with my friend at the time we had a startup and most people thought we were marketers. They didn't believe that we were there to actually pitch an idea. This was five years ago plus. So Mm -hmm. understandably, things have moved on. But those low numbers still exist. And when you come to the pipeline, there's a lot of reasons why anyway. But when you come to school, then it's even more obvious that there is an issue going on there where computer science anything to do with gaming as well is seen as a boy's thing and not really a girl's thing and then when you break it down further it's a certain type of person that's been stereotyped so you do computer science you have to be a geek for example which probably movies have perpetrated even more as well this kind of loner type figure um, you might have come across in some of the shows you watch, whereas, as you can see, I'm not a loner, you're not a loner, <laughs> we're absolutely, we're just here. So, I like to really, for example, in my classroom, I first of all, I start with myself. I let the students know about how social I am, for example, how I work with other people, the fact that I don't have to look a certain way. I could come with glasses and jeans one day and be in a dress another day. It's absolutely freeing to be a computer scientist. And then with the role models, I show them as well. Um, Charlene Hunter, for example, from Coding Black Females is someone I always mention because of the good work she's really put in. And there's a lot of different women as well to point them to and i always resound these examples to them so they can see there are other people like them whoever you are black white asian girl boy there should be representations and then i ask them about what they'd like to see in their future as well we have a lot of conversations about this so if you've got tiktok or snapchat and you don't think it's inclusive well how are you going to change that Whose job is it to change that? And when you start asking those questions, you find that students are more likely to see themselves as change makers. Because the problem is, if you're telling someone they can make change, but they don't believe they can, then it's falling on deaf ears. So I try and get them to do day to day things anyway. I say, well, why don't you start a channel? Why don't you start a YouTube or an Instagram or something else so you can see your representation actually making a change? today and that could build you up for your future i also invited organizations to come in and speak um we did one i think it's with we did one with an organization at christmas and they were all ladies so they all did a lovely presentation and the kids did an app for boring in birmingham that got everyone really excited bouncing off their ideas so it's all about hands-on day-to-day experiences for me role models making everything come to life and relating it to what students are interested in I think that will help us at least solve some of the problems it won't solve all of them but it's a good start
0: and um what about yours um your your school your own commitments to computing education how has that developed in your current role or perhaps in former roles How, how have you um promoted spread the word um championed that's the word. How have you? How have you championed computing education at the schools that you've been at?
1: That's such a good question. I am constantly seeking out new ways to engage the students at my schools. Be it if I have to do silly TikTok dances, for example. <laughs> (laughs) I'm there. (laughs) I, I have to be in the know. I have to be so trendy. You can't believe how trendy I am. I have to be, Tim. I have to know what's in all the time. And I think that's one of the best ways I've championed it, by letting them know. We say computer science is a modern topic. Here you go. Here's a teacher that's very modern. And what do you want to talk about? Robots, PS5s? a TikTok dance, whatever it is, let me let help you bring this topic to life. Because with maths, at least they go out and do it every day with English they're, they're speaking English or French they're speaking it right away but with some of the other subjects I'm not saying my subject is the only one they struggle at obviously other departments have other issues but with mine I see that we say we're a trendy topic we're modern we create technology to advance but do the students really feel that way when you're talking to them about um, Charles Babbage or you're trying to talk about the beginning the beginnings of uh, processes it can feel a bit like uh, what has that got to do with me exactly so I bring it to life with mobile phones and all the examples that I use. And that's how I champion computer science. Like I said before as well, I'm always using me as an example. And from me, then I present other role models similar to myself or relatable to the students. Because if they can see other people like them, I think that makes a big difference.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Um, so what's the... Um, just a little explain explain a little bit about your school. Is it in um, an inner city part of Birmingham? What's the ethnic mix? a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so it is in an inner city part of Birmingham, um, very diverse school as well. We've got about 60, 70% black students and then Asians and other schools. It's been different at different inner city schools, so depending on the makeup of the area. But the themes are common no matter where you go. That disconnect between the abstractness of computer science and it being in their hands every day, there's such a big gap, Tim. Mm. And it's hard for students to reconcile How, you know, cache memory, what has that got to do with the fact that I'm on WhatsApp right now? You know, it's just how do you connect the two? And I feel like I repeat myself a lot. I had to, like, make up a song as well that was really popular at the time and turn it into the memory CPU song just so it could sit somewhere in their minds. So although as diverse as it is, the themes are common. Um, The last cohort at my school, they didn't want to study computer science at all. Hence the slash business title. So a lot of the students think, oh, if I choose business, it's easier. It really isn't any easier. They they get to find out later anyway. It's the same amount of writing, the same amount of knowledge. You need to know key terminology in both of them as well. And they both have to do with connecting a concept to everyday life. So I always say to them, it's not going to be any different. But computer science has that reputation at my school and other schools I've been in and I think that's what my role that's why I'm passionate speaking about it because I need to remind them every day not only because I'm a computer science teacher but because it's part of my everyday life in the next 10-15 years what jobs will they have I have to prepare them for that future life I want to play a role even if it's in one student's life so in my current school it's been good so far more girls are more interested. Um, I've, I've tried to do some work with Afro-Caribbean um, kids as well, especially. So that's been going well as well. Asian girls too. Just trying to get everyone to see themselves in that classroom. You shouldn't just be oneself people, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. And we, And as an extension to that, what's the kind of state of play at your school with regards to students where English is a second language? Um, is that, an, is that a, a challenge within your school as well?
1: Interestingly, I find that students who English is a second language want to do computer science. <laughs> They're very excited. I always hear, Miss, you know, we don't have computers at such and such place. I'm so excited to be at a computer. Obviously, there's a little bit of a challenge, um, especially with things like Python. Because then it's in English now, it's not in their language. So I find myself translating instructions a lot because you know it's good to support students in that way, using a lot of images as well, just trying to get it as relatable. But my last cohort of computer science, the girl who the, the student who got the best grades was actually a second language speaker. So um what I think has been more of a challenge for my last two schools is getting sense students and low ability students to find their place in a computer science classroom. Because there are a lot of abstract concepts, it can be very difficult to relay those. So really adapting resources, adapting tasks, trying to find how to include everyone is not only just by race or gender, computer science is seen as this really intelligent thing you know if you don't get a four or a five in maths you should you don't belong in a computer science classroom and I find that a bit worrying because I' Traditionally, I don't think I'd be a five-student anyway. (laughs) I did get them, but I think I'm someone who has to push myself, read again and again to understand concepts, so I understand where these students are coming from, and it's a bit of a struggle how the subject is laid out now. So I've had to work very hard to get them on side. But things like binary, for example, I have a spinning wheel, a games prize wheel for binary, and once you've got that wheel spinning, everyone's brain's like, okay, yes, yes, get binary, you know? Some of those concepts are easier to. To deliver but send and lower ability students do struggle with computer science especially in the schools i've been in so far
0: and do you have provisions um in terms of extra te- tas or teaching assistants or do you, is that something that uh your school needs to have more of what's the sort of situation with regards to that and how you help kids who are send students for example
1: you know, honestly, Tim, this leads to something I think you might ask me later, which is what one extra thing could I have It would be more TAs, yeah. more support. And as you know, funding can be very hard for inner city schools, yeah. but I can see the clear difference between having three to four people, because um, I also teach at code camps once in a while, and they have three to four people supporting students. Um, and it's probably like 15, 16 students, let alone a classroom of 30 plus students, you know, getting that extra support would be really really helpful especially somebody else explaining while you're getting on with demonstrating at the same time would be so key I've worked as a TA before as you know interestingly and I know the value that I brought to the classroom at the time and it's why I eventually went into teaching but like we all know budgets are tight it's not always possible you have to do the best to adapt on your own
0: exactly and with that in mind, given you're a head of computing and business, <laughs> um, what advice would you give? Um, what advice would you give to any potential new leader of computing in a secondary school?
1: Oh, I would say be flexible. Find out how your subject fits into the plan of that school. Okay, It's very important that the whole school is interested in computer science too. A lot of schools are very focused on English and maths, which is absolutely fair. You've got those lead tables against you all the time, so it can be tough. But as a new leader, find out where you're fitting in that in that plan for the school, the development plan. Be flexible with your curriculum as well. Obviously, work with the national curriculum, but where possible, there might be some skills you have to implement that kids don't already know, like Tim, kids don't know how to turn on a computer anymore. So (laughs) they're like tapping the screen. What's going on? Miss is not coming on. Uh, You need to press the button. That's how it works. So just adapting that curriculum to the needs of the students that are coming from primary school now, working with your colleagues in your department, and then not assuming that everyone has the same level of knowledge as well. And I've I've made that mistake in the past. I'm giving something to a colleague and figure, oh, yeah, just implement that. Well, do they know how to use that piece of software? Have they heard of it before? Do they need extra time and extra training? And if that adult needs that support, then imagine the extra time the students need as well to get. For example, if you're using IDLE to code in Python, they might need some extra time just to get around that piece of software itself. Or everything is now moving online to the clouds, to Google Cloud or something else. They might need extra time with that piece of software. But be really considerate, be flexible, be adaptable and work with the development plan of the school to make sure that you are appreciated there and whatever you're doing in the next few years is beneficial to everyone on the whole school level.
0: Sounds like you definitely fight the corner for computer science at your school.
1: Honestly, every time. <laughs> they're bored of me by now. <laughs> I'm sure
0: they're not. Um How has the last year been for your school? Um, what challenges have you encountered and how have you dealt with them?
1: I mean, I think understandably for everyone, it's been the most challenging year ever. Ever. And I'm gonna count childbirth into that and still say it's been the most challenging.
0: Year. Oh well, fantastic. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, at first, we didn't know what to expect. So there was a lot of fear. I was really afraid. And I understand the students must have been so afraid as well. I I thought I was going to die initially, because that's how it seemed. We Nobody knew what this virus, what would happen. And we're all indoors trying to figure out, especially how to deliver a topic like computer science over the internet. So it might seem like, well, but it is a, an internet topic, but there are things you have to explain. We didn't really have this idea of Zoom calls. Remember, that wasn't popular yet. So that became popular right, I think, towards the summer. So we had to try and deliver pre-recorded lessons, um, get through the lessons with the students, see ways in which to register them. So just adapting the whole curriculum online. How will you teach Python? You don't know who's going to be on, who's going to be off. People didn't have access to computers at home. There's so many, and it may- Made the digital divide so much more obvious.
0: Yeah, what proportion of kids didn't have access to a computer from your school?
1: I I don't want to put any figures because I'm not the data manager, but I think it was up to thirty percent or more. You know, because even I myself, I had just been burgled, so all my devices were gone. Oh man! (laughs) Begin to begin with, the teacher doesn't even have a device. (laughs) So, um, thankfully, the academy put. Uh, devices in place and that's been that was a lot better this time around when we had the lockdown most students had a device all the teachers had devices so it was a lot better provision this time around than at the start I think at the start everybody was trying to do their best and there were a lot of sacrifices school leaders had to make you know working through holidays as well um, at some point to provide for care worker children, there's just so much that had to be put in place to actually deliver a quality education because that's what we were all trying to deliver, isn't it? We didn't want students to be at a disadvantage, which was it was inevitable. But we did our best to deliver, you know, as much as they could get.
0: Fantastic. I think it would be really great if you could talk about your work with Educating Africa. Uh, I think. Thank um, you so- Because I think uh, this is evidently an area that you're very passionate about and it would be great if you could spend a few minutes just um, talking about that and the kinds of work that you do.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, I've been so supported as well in the schools I've worked in. I've I've been lucky. Um, I'm from Nigeria. My parents are from Nigeria. And um, I remember traveling through West Africa as a kid. So it will always hold dear to me that that is part of me as well. England is my home and that's my home too. And the stats, I feel so lucky living in England, being able to go to school, having free access to free education and everything in a lot of countries that's not the case especially for secondary education um girls going to school is not a priority and a lot of times people say well there's boys too that don't have access to education and that's that's true absolutely true but for me the focus is on girls because when people are asked to choose which child will go it's most likely to be a boy and that that's very very heart-wrenching and the situation some of these students are in as well um we have people earning below a hundred dollars a month sometimes people earning nothing at all, sometimes people not having parents full stop, and there isn't really a system to support them. So Educate in Africa stemmed from me visiting the origin stories. I visited Nigeria, and I met a boy... 12, 13 at the time, and he had to sell stuff on the streets to make a living, and that really opened my eyes to my privilege, because I can literally jump in and out of any country I want, go to any school I want. I think till we left the EU, I could have gone to Union in Switzerland or something, so all these opportunities we get access to, and somewhere in the world there's children that get access to nothing. Um, I couldn't support him at the time because I didn't have enough funding. I always thought I need to be rich, Bill Gates rich, to help people. Um, but I soon realized that that's not the case. If you actually get support from a lot of people around you and a community, you can deliver the same level, you know, even on a smaller scale to begin with. So two, three years ago, while I was teaching at my old school, I thought, what do I want for my birthday? And yep. Yeah, first people first world problems but what i wanted for my birthday was to send girls to school so i thought yeah let me just set this up i did a GoFundMe me to begin with because i didn't know if i could commit being a full-time teacher can it's time consuming so you can't do a lot else after school because you're marking planning etc but it turned out to be absolutely great i did um samosa cells cupcake bakes everything we raised three thousand pounds to send a five girls to school over six years, because my charity doesn't only just cover fees for a year, because what happens the next year and the year after that, what we try and do is commit for the whole time they're in secondary school. And we cover school fees, we cover uniform, extra tuition, we take them on trips so they can get exposure to role models. Um, if not for COVID, they would have done um, a summer at a coding camp. We have one aspiring computer engineer now um, who we're sponsoring at school. It just drives me. It makes me have more to tell my students as well. Because if they realise how much of an opportunity, how lucky we are, perhaps that will make them wake up with a different mind frame. I'm not saying we don't have problems here as well, Tim. Like, I've seen a lot of different cases working at schools, understandably. But if we can do just a little extra, I think we should push ourselves too.
0: Brilliant. Um, can I just, just to clarify, are you, are you from Nigeria originally?
1: So my mum's from Nigeria, yes, and um, my dad's British, but I say I'm 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 from England and Nigeria, so yeah.
0: If people want to find out more, where do they go?
1: Oh, that's a great question. They should go to educatingafricafund.org. Um, I don't know if we can put that, so it's educating, E D U C A T I N G africafund.org. And the if if they can support it would be absolutely amazing because like I said with that digital divide it most showed back in those countries. Those those girls at school, they had nothing. They had no online provision. So we were printing out resources. Uh, we had to stem away from education. We had to deliver food packs because they had no... Money at that point, everyone's on lockdown, there's no jobs, there's no pay, so we had to go a bit extra. And our, our donors, our volunteers, they did so well. So, having the extra support from anyone in the community it would be so amazing. And the students would love it, you know, the smile on their faces, Tim. Also, you can check our Instagram at Educating Africa Fund. We've got some lovely pictures of the girls talking about what they want to be when they grow up and who their role models are as well. And that's all that warms my heart
0: when i wake up to that it's very inspiring thank you no
1: thank you
0: so um we are now going to move on to the bit that everyone looks forward to most which is the quick fire questions so so i'm going to ask you a series of very quick questions and in response you can give me one word or one sentence answers does that sound cool does that sound good
1: yes yes i'm ready
0: okay so um what is your most treasured classroom possession
1: my spinning wheel my prize spinning
0: wheel i love it excellent and um what's what's on the spinning wheel
1: so it's just a game prize spinning wheel. Like, you know, the ones from Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. But I get to write whatever I want on it. And because kids and adults want to spin it, then once they spin it, I'm like, oh, you're trapped. You have to learn binary now. So I write binary numbers on it and they have to convert the binary from denary to binary or vice versa. It works every time.
0: Love it. We get different answers every week to that question. That's brilliant. That's cool. <laughs> um, what's your favorite app?
1: Is that school app or just general app?
0: General's fine.
1: Okay, Instagram for me. I get a lot of resources from Instagram for teaching as well. Very colourful classroom resources. Um, I also have a page to check out on there called Melanin Mentors, um, which is why I'm on there a lot, and I support new teachers. So um, I support trainees, black and Asian trainees
0: on there. So they can check that out as well. Cool. What's that called again? So everyone hears.
1: Melanin Melanin Mentors.
0: Thank you. That's great. What's your favourite movie with a computing stroke technology slant? Mm
1: I think it's Lucy.
0: You're not the first one to mention Lucy, know <laughs>
1: Obsessed. Absolutely obsessed. You, it's the only one where the person's not like a geek sitting at the computer. I'm so tired of those ones, you know? The tropes get boring after a while.
0: <laughs> Lucy's good. And, um, yeah, we've had a whole spate of people picking The Matrix as well.
1: Oh, okay. Not, yeah, ju- not, just,
0: not just blokes, although mainly blokes. We had three podcasts in a row I was editing, and literally The Matrix was picked. For each yeah, of the I was like, "Did you all like just like get together and decide to pick the Matrix and not us?" So I don't know. Literally,
1: literally at the same time, it would be good to see some computing movies that have you know like diverse um, people cast in it, you know, and maybe maybe a story about a kid in computer science or something it would be great.
0: Yeah, there's yeah. one of our there's one of our recent podcasts where um, they picked The Martian, Um and the, 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 there's a quote. That Matt Damon says, and it's and it's about you know the the you know sciencing the, insert rude word out of it, and he said it would have been amazing if that was a woman saying that, exactly. and just just <laughs> you know like things like that. Obviously, we've <laughs> had Hidden Figures, and she's an excellent, great film. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It needs to be more, more more yeah. films. Yeah. Okay, um, next next question. Um, what's your favourite, uh, is, there, is there a favourite soundtrack or is there some favourite music that you listen to like right now that you'd like oh, to highlight?
1: Yes, all the time. Have you heard of um, Beyonce's um, Black is King? Yes. Yes, that is my absolute favourite. It's got a lot of Afrobeats artists on it because trivia, I used to be an Afrobeats artist. So every time, do you know about Wizkid, Burner Boy, any of those artists?
0: I've heard of Wizkid.
1: This kid, yeah, so that's me all day, every day. And Blackest King really showcases visually as well. So a lot of computing work, a lot of um, 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 graphic work that went into there, a lot of effects, very, very good visual story. And if you check it out, it's, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, the, the kind of the campaigns that she puts behind those, um, those you know, the last few albums have been immense. They, incredible
1: yeah. incredible yeah. I feel my daughter's so lucky to grow up and have access to that kind of visual because I never did so at least this generation has a bit more to look forward to
0: absolutely I definitely <laughs> she definitely Beyonce definitely falls into a true innovator category I think
1: yes yes sure. 100% yeah. I agree
0: um if you could invent something to make your work better what would it be
1: I would have said free TAs <laughs> I don't know how you could invent that <laughs> <laughs> that's not a thing You can't be invented so I'll go for like a self marker which Google's really good at that Google classrooms and um, there's a lot of self marking it can do so I'm, I'm happy that that exists but we're always marking so anything to reduce that marking work would be amazing
0: one word just one word to describe yourself
1: oh this is hard one word one word one word I say determined
0: that's definitely true
1: that's what, it. Was so hard. I was like I'm passionate. I'm not, okay, determined. I'll
0: go with that. Let's let's settle on determined. I think that really does. Yeah, that's that's that comes across. Um, Thanks. I think you might have answered this, but you can give another answer if you want. What's your biggest role model growing up? Or who was your biggest role model growing up?
1: Is it, is it bad if I say
0: Beyonce? No.
1: <laughs> I just I'm a big Beyonce fan. I can't help it. But yeah, Beyonce. She took me through everything and she doesn't know it. When I see her one day, I'm going to tell her, like, literally. she If not for independent women, I won't be learning HTML. I don't know how it relates, but it all relates. It makes sense to me.
0: <laughs> Beyonce for the win. Absolutely. Yes. Let's go with Beyonce. <laughs> cool. Uh, do you have a top book or books on education or computing education?
1: You know, Tim... When I was training, that th- I'd say 100 different books. But now being at work, I'm going to tell the truth. I'm not reading as much as I used to. I don't have a lot of books on my desk anymore. But any pedagogy, um, I think I was reading 101 Outstanding Lessons the other day. I can't remember who, who that's authored by. Because we're always thinking of Outstanding Lessons, aren't we? Um, and I, I loved a lot of Piaget, Vygotsky. So anything on pedagogy. There's a new book out. Um, I saw on LinkedIn, I was hoping to win it. I don't know if I've won it. I need to check the date. Um, it's about ideas, strategies for competing in the classroom. Um, I was also reading something on Send Ideas in the Classroom as well, because that's that's something I'm doing for my MPQML. But I can admit I'm not reading as much as I used to. Um, if it's not education-related, I read Slay in Your Lane recently, um, which is about owning your space as a Black woman in, in society, and that was amazing so it, it's a good one to pick up, too.
0: That's brilliant. That's very cool. Slay in your lane. That's that's that. That would be your suggestion.
1: Yes. The teachers should read it, too. It's important. Yeah. Slay in your lane. That, that way you can own the kids.
0: <laughs> um, two, two left. We're almost there. Favourite day of the week and why?
1: Oh, I'm going to say Saturday just Ooh. because I know I can go to bed a bit later on Friday because there's no school on Saturday.
0: Saturday it is. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And um, do you have a best bit of advice ever given?
1: Um, is this school related or is this in general L- life? Life, the
0: universe, whatever you like.
1: I would say to be understanding. A lot of people taught me to be patient and understanding. And being at school has made me be grateful for those pieces of advice. Um, My uncle, especially, he'd always say, you've always got more time. To just take it easy, be understanding. And that has really helped me cope at school, cope through life. And I find like the older you get, you start to look back at advice and think, well, that, that was really helpful. But when you're younger, you're a bit like, oh, don't tell me anything. I don't want to hear it. So I think being patient, being understanding, it will make us kinder to each other. And COVID showed that we needed that extra kindness as well.
0: I couldn't agree more. I think that's a great bit of advice to end the uh our chat. So, um, yes. <laughs> I, I just want to say a massive thank you. It's been a pleasure. I'm very inspired by the things that you've said today. I think that, uh, for those of you who are listening, um, I hope you found it inspiring too. Um, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast provider <laughs> and consider, yes. consider uh, joining us as a member of computing at school because it's people like Tessie, who we, we get inspired by, uh, Kaz as well. Not as inspiring as Tessie, but people as, almost as inspiring as Tessie. <laughs> oh,
1: come on. You're inspiring too.
0: So. Oh, thank you. Um, so um, to everyone who has tuned in today, I hope that you tune in to another Kaz Inspire story. In the meantime, Tess, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so, so much for having me. And I'll be absolutely delighted to come co-host with you anytime. So let me know. I'll be back. I'll be back, guys. Get rid of
0: me. (laughs) You definitely will be back. Thank you. Thank you.